It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Clarence Boone, producer of Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show, now celebrating 15 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show, committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. During this hour, we'll also give you opportunities to support WFHB during its fall fund drive. I'll take a moment to explain um, why this is so important. We first want to thank thank everyone for what you've done uh, to make bringing on what it is and of course to make uh, WFHB what it is and several of our bringing on listeners and longtime supporters have given advance gifts or their new contributing members or their sustaining members uh, to WFHB and every gift helps and for your generosity we thank you and any during the course of this show at any time if you feel compelled pick up the phone smile first always smile when you when you uh when you uh, give a gift, uh, dial 812-323-1200. Again, 812-323. And become a contributing member uh, at 812-323-1200 here at WFHB. You'll hear more about that during the course of the show. But tonight we have the pleasure of speaking with William Vance, who's president of the Monroe County branch of the NAACP. The NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, is the oldest, largest, and strongest civil rights organization in the United States. The principal objective of the NAACP is to ensure the political, educational, social, and economic equality of minority groups groups of citizens of the United States. The NAACP is committed to nonviolence and relies upon the press, the petition, the ballot, and the courts even in the face of overt or violent racial hostility. Now, the NAACP is a network of more than 2,200 branches covering all 50 states, the District of Columbia, Japan, and Germany. They are divided into seven regions and are managed and governed by a national board of directors. The NAACP is headquartered in Baltimore, Maryland, and total membership exceeds 500,000. Again, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome Mr. William Vance, who is president of the Monroe County branch of the NAACP. And William, bring, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here today. Well, uh, thank you for accommodating us. Uh, I know you're a busy man, and um, um, we did mention, of course, the Freedom Fund Banquet on one of our previous shows. And before I even get into some of the, uh, uh, the exciting things uh, that we're going to talk about tonight, tell us, how was the Freedom Fund Banquet? It was really nice. Uh, it was a... For me, it's a standard. It was a standard. I feel like that if we can have a Freedom Fund banquet as well as that one went, I'll be satisfied for as long as I'm president. All right. And we had it at Ivy Tech uh, Community College here in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. And um, we had over 100 people. We had approximately 104. All right. Everybody was seated comfortably. Uh you know, the it was, it was a good social hour. It seems like everything went well. So it's just a wonderful atmosphere there at the community college. Uh, Inger Nemchek was our president. Uh, Clarence uh, Gilliam, Clarence and Francis Gilliam 
President Award winner. Excellent. Uh, If you remember, Inger was our youth uh, council NACP chair here in Monroe County. Mm -hmm. Uh, She did a wonderful job for 12 years. Okay. Uh, She, from Mahogany Hanks to the Ascensos and even my son, uh, when when Mr. Ascenso left, the young Mr. Ascenso left, he took over for a year. So she uh, she went through all those years. Uh, was a blessing. Was you know was always willing to help children mm-hmm. all she could, and I think that is exemplified. She's now uh, working at the Neil Marshall Center. That's right. And um, you know, I went to the Umoja event that they have for you know to greet the students, and she was there, of course, and. We had a wonderful time. She organized that, or she was one of the organizers. So okay. we had a wonderful time. So I just wanted to bring that out. But it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Well, I've known Inger for years, and it's been always great to collaborate with her. Um, if, if paying visits, uh, with a group of us paying a visit to Indiana University's uh, descendants of the first African-American woman to matriculate uh, to IU, um, uh, Ms. Carrie Parker Taylor, and she, along with a contingent of us, went up and visited with her living son, um, uh, and that was a delight. And uh, Inger has always been someone who, if she stamps her name on it, it's going to be done right. And yes. So for that, yes. yeah, an excellent choice for recipient for the uh, Clarence and Francis Gilliam Award. Um, and also, uh, Mr. Boone, I like to bring out the fact that uh, Doctor or Professor. Uh, Don Jensen was our keynote. Johnson was our keynote speaker. Excellent. I uh, understand a professor out of law school. That's right. Uh, did a a, a very uh, woman from the institute mm-hmm. um, a presentation. Uh, it was it was um, you know I thought it was uh, very well done and um, uh, well received. And also Doctor well he's going to be Doctor Alonza. Uh, he's a student and a PhD student in the Jacobs School of Music. He did our music, Mister uh, uh, Mr. Alonza Lawrence. Okay. Yes, and he did a great job. He he's a baritone. All right, all right. <laughs> I wish I I could have been there to hear that. Um, when a baritone sings, we're not talking tenor. We're talking that full resonance that fills yes. a room. And yes. uh, I wish I could have been yeah, there to to hear that. Um, I will also state that uh, uh, Mrs. Don Johnson is a tremendous individual. I saw her at the uh, farmer's market just this past Saturday, along with her husband, who is yes, uh, mayor. happens to be the mayor of our, our city. Um, but uh, two gleaming individuals who have done a lot for our community. Yes. Um, I want to begin our conversation, and it's going to go the breadth of this hour, and we're going to talk about some interesting things. Um, but first, I thought it'd be really nice if we can acquaint or introduce Mr. Vance to some in the community who may not know him. Um, he, I will say that he holds the distinct, uh, um, uh, distinct uh, privilege of being president on the NAACP for 12 consecutive years yes. uh, for, for Monroe County and uh, has now begun his second uh, tour of duty, if you will. Yes. But... Uh, Tell us, Bill, about your your early early years as um, shall I say, little Billy or little William? <laughs> yeah, uh, Billy or Billy or Duke or Junior. Yes. Okay. Uh, my my dad gave me a nickname. He called me Duke. Duke. Yes, that was my father's nickname for me. Wait, wait, my mom Duke, called me Billy. Duke Vance, <laughs> president. Yeah. I, th- I think we have a new name title. Yeah. No, I won't do that to you, but. Uh, <laughs> 
All right, Duke, uh, tell us uh, about the early years. Uh, what stood out for you? Well, um, I grew up in Indianapolis. Okay. Um, I Let's see, I did my uh, junior high school on the west side of town. Uh, it was a school called 108. Mm-hmm. I was a student athlete there. Um, I, I did my high school at a now, our high school is now closed, hmm. but Indianapolis Northwest High School is okay. near the Motor Speedway. It's not about a half mile from Speedway High School. It's surprising that we closed. You know, it's a nice area yeah. and everything. But um, I was a student athlete there. I went on to uh, Purdue, mm-hmm. which I, you know, I graduated as an engineer all right uh just barely but i got out of there uh it was a it was it was a it was a great experience at purdue the only thing tough there to deal with was, was the academics okay you know so i had a good experience but there. but the terrain is so flat at purdue <laughs> I, I mean down here we have limestone but up there it's it's more red brick right? yes yes yeah, it is yeah, it, yeah. it may not be quite as scenic yeah as, as it here it is here in uh, beautiful bloomington Southern Indiana. Well, well, I will say my sister attended Purdue, and about half my graduating class from uh, Gary Roosevelt, those that went off to college, half of them either went to Purdue and the other half went to IU. Yes. And I, I was there a few, Gary. many a weekend up there. Yeah. Um, a fine institution. Yes, it is. Um, okay, so Purdue. Now, now military uh, experience? Well, I, when I got out of Purdue, I, I couldn't find a job, so I I went back to IUPUI, transferred all my... I graduated from Purdue West Lafayette with an aeronautical engineering degree. All right. Was unable to find a job, so I transferred all my credits to IUPUI. Okay. Got a mechanical engineering degree. Then the Naval Support Activity Crane hired me. I see. I see. So I worked there for 32 years as warfighter support, engineering support. All right. So... um, not that you could fly the plane, you kept it in the air. Well, one of the professors said in class, I would never want to ride the plane you guys designed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you fortunately worked there 32 years yes. and, and no incident or accident yes, of yes. any kind. Okay, that's yes. great. Bill Vance, the family man. Yes. Um, I have a, a wife, Deborah Lynn Vance, who you who you all know. Now you got to throw out some kudos now. I mean, yes. come on now, you, she, you, you got to yes, the she, light of your life. Go on. The, the former Deborah Lynn Whitfield. Uh, I was blessed to on my um, I was on uh, June seventeenth, nineteen eighty one. I I woke up. I realized that your life da- wasn't complete. Right? <laughs> That's well, it, it should have been it. But look, I I woke up realized it's my dad's birthday. Okay. Okay, so I got to get him a card. All right. So I got on my bicycle. I went up to Safeway, and it's next door to Kmart. Okay. So I went into Safeway because it's not as crowded. Got a card, was on my 10-speed signing it. And then Deb was good. She worked at Kmart at the time. Okay. She says, Bill? I said, yeah, Deb, how you doing? The first thing I asked her, though, was how was her, you know, I thought she might have got married because she had a boyfriend in high school. Okay, I asked right. him how, how he all was right. doing. We're going into deep territory. <laughs> I'm bringing on. Okay, go on. Go on, Bill. Oh, Duke. Go on, Duke. <laughs> I, I, asked her, I asked her, how is he doing? He said, well, we're not together anymore. Yeah, because inferior. I mean, <laughs> push him to the side. All right, come on. And now. she was de- dealing with another guy, and that didn't go right, yeah, so I asked her out. Right. There you and go. She, and she, you know, if we're... Two weeks, I couldn't get in contact with her, but mm-hmm. finally her mom picked up, okay. and she said, "I'll I'll 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 give her the message for sure." Okay, and it was it wasn't a, the next day. She called me, we had a date, 
And so here we are, 33 years. We celebrated 33 years, uh, September 27th. Uh, 19, or we, we got married September 27, 1986. Okay. 33 years. Beautiful. Now, I know uh, Sister Vance is beaming from ear to ear, and he'll forever be known as the guy on the bike who was <laughs> multitasking, signing a card, and almost hit her probably with a bike. And probably how you, how you, probably uh, your paths crossed. <laughs> Family man yet. Um, so, you, so you get married. I got a son. All right. Uh, Robert. Perry Vance, um, okay. he uh, did all his schooling here in town. Right. Um, he's a student athlete. Uh, he went to South he, uh, Jackson Creek, and he was a three-sport athlete at Jackson Creek and a two-sport athlete at South. He wasn't quite – right. he and I both met the same fate. We couldn't make the basketball team. Well, yeah, we that both, slam dunk is kind of <laughs> hard, man. <laughs> but uh, but he, he did quite – he's at Ivy Tech now, and okay. he's uh, – uh, going to finish up his general studies, and then um, um, hopefully he's going to do more uh, education. But for now, he's wanting to take a little break, and okay. you know he he's into um, um, sound engineering, so ah, he's okay. wanting to see what he can do with that. And well, we have slots open at WFHB uh, for all those aspiring I'm, engineers out there. We have a wonderful engineer filling in tonight, Sydney. Yes, ma- who's yes, doing sir. a phenomenal job. Yes, sir. So uh, you tell your son to come on down to WFHB. Well, 108 West 4th Street here in Bloomington, where you can call 812-332-1200 and make a sustaining gift. Yes. I, I, had, I had to put that yes, in there. Yes, yes. Okay, right. He can do that, too. Huh? Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so, now, what experiences in your young life do you feel prepared you to take the helm of, uh, the, of the the highest office for our for our NAACP branch here in Monroe County. Were, were there incidents or experiences you can point back to? Were there um, heroes in your life? Were there individuals who inspired you, or you just were really captivated by that that helped to shape you, the uh, president of the Monroe, Monroe County branch of the NAACP? Yeah, I think it all goes back to uh, being brought up in the church. Okay. Uh, my father was very active in the church. Um, he was um, he went to the position of uh, chairman of the elder board, mm-hmm. and I, you know I watched him as he you know I'd been in church all my life. He started out as a deacon. He watched him do that and watched him as he's an elder. And you know he's you know he's a also he was an athlete. He liked playing basketball. We go. He played in the dust bowls and things up in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and um, the leagues in Indianapolis. And I, you know, my brother and I would go watch him play. And and um, then we I looked at the you know Doctor T. Garrett Benjamin Jr., who was the pastor of it, at first it was Second Christian Church, then it became Light of the World Christian the world. Church. And those, and then athletics. You know, you know they say athletics uh, teaches you of life. It teaches you how to deal with life. And at the time, I was wondering, what do they mean by that? But in thinking about it, you know, you have to, you have to be disciplined to train. Uh, you have to, when it's time to compete, you have to get up to do that. And and it's the same thing at work. You have to, you know, you have to be disciplined. When it's time to do a job, you have to get yourself mentally ready to do that job. And you have to be ready to, 
you know, give depending on what level you need to be at, you know, you have to try to rise to that level. Right. So, and then I come to Bloomington and Dr. Butler. Right. Uh, tremendous. I mean, influence Mr. Gilliam. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was, you know, it's my church involvement. Mr. Gilliam said I need some help. Okay. Okay. So my wife and I helped out with the tutorial program. All right. Then his secretary left. Okay, they they her husband got a another job as a pastor. As a matter of fact, he's out of a secretary. Okay, his thing help the NACP before the NACP has to help you. So I so I got involved. All right, now on that note, we're going to put a pin in that right there. But I like that last sentence: help the NAACP before it has to help you. Yes. And on that note, um, I want to say that it's pledge time at WFHB. And I want to provide you with some updates and inspiring reasons to support bringing on through your pledge to WFHB. As our guest just said, um, help the NAACP before it has to help you. Help WFHB because it helps you. Um, I'll say we inform you. We bring you the latest of really phenomenal news uh, uh, and I look at the history of bringing on, as I mentioned in our intro, we are going into our 15th year as um, Indiana's only um, black public affairs radio broadcast. If there's another one out there, I don't know it. But uh, I, I stand on this assertion that we are providing a direct benefit to the listeners who tune in every Monday. It's been a pleasure. Um, when, when I sort of conceived this idea of having a black public affairs radio program, um, I was so glad that the station did not try to uh, disparage or dispel or to dissuade me from pursuing that. I had already been working, volunteering for the station. We're all volunteers here. We get paid well in satisfaction of serving others. Uh, but um, there I was a programmer with a Christian broadcast for a number of years, and I felt the need that there needed to be a voice for African-Americans in the Bloomington community. So 15 years ago, I had discussions with Brian Bruce, who was the general manager back then, and others like Jim Mannion and and a host of others uh, were very encouraging. And we sort of mapped out a pathway to kind of make this happen, and you always surround yourself with good people. And so there were there was great talent in Bloomington. Jim Sims, uh, who is now councilman in the city of Bloomington, and and others, um, Delia Alexander, were the first official voices out there for bringing on. And because of their good efforts, we're here. But today I want to talk about your good efforts in supporting WFHB. We want contributing members. We want new contributing members. And, and that's someone who, you know, uh, makes a wonderful gift, uh, a sustaining gift, or either a, a, a gift from the heart, a one-time gift to the station. It's easy to do. We have volunteers now sitting by the phones at 812-323-1200. And I encourage you to pick up the phone now and call them. They're, 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 they're the most friendly, warm people that you're going to talk to today. And when you talk to them, uh, just give from the heart. Smile, as I said earlier, when you give. It feels great. And uh, you can even give online at uh, www.wfhb.org. You can give safely and securely. And, you know, make your voice heard as we are making our voices heard today by your gift. So on that note, uh, we're going to come back to you throughout the show. And But I did want to have a pause for the cause. And we're going to go right back. And uh, Mr. Vance was talking about his heroes and his exemplars that encouraged him as he was coming along. And now he's talking about his, his uh, 
initial introduction to the Monroe County branch, the, the uh, Monroe County branch of the NAACP. So these phenomenal individuals cross your path. And of course, you know, Reverend uh, Butler had his way of recruiting people. I mean, it's this legend. So he, he lured you in one way, and next thing you know, you're in before you know you're in. But uh, tell us about those early years. You know, it's, it's good to <clears throat> be a support. Right. It's good to be a support uh, to individuals that make, that make a positive difference. And Dr. Butler was such a man. I think that he was that kind of man for, ev- for everybody in the community, I believe. Right. Uh, you know, 40 years, pastorate at Second Baptist Church. Um, speaks for itself. I mean, he has, uh, if you will, Timothys all over the country. They may not be preachers in the pulpit, but you know he has influenced a lot of lives. So, and well, and 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 Deacon Gillum the same way. Yeah. I really feel like he was, you know, when he came involved, it was like a professor coming involved. You know, that's right. That's the way I felt about it. And, and our meetings were like that. You know, right. You know, a lot very intellectual. And we just it was it was a fun and our deacons meetings were like that. So we had a lot of we had a lot of fun. Uh, his style and, and he's when you know when you got a leader like that, you he just seems like he mm-hmm. or she, he or she knows what he or she is doing. Mm-hmm. So, well, I know back then uh, when you talk about um, catalysts behind the formation of some organizations. Sometimes it's a, a sort of a seminal moment that, you know, there's something that happens that just galvanizes a group of people. Uh, in Bloomington, I'm not sure what those moments were. I knew that in education, we did not have um, people of color who were teachers at one point mm-hmm. until some people broke the barrier. And uh, at that time, uh, we had an individual who ran for mayor, uh, Mrs. Elizabeth Bridgewaters, and uh, she, she made a bid for the highest office here in Bloomington. And we did have some incidents, uh, one very regrettable, which um, really was a moment which transfixed the city and then in some ways transformed us was uh, the uh, death of uh, Denver Smith. And um, a good friend of mine, uh, we were in school together, but uh, nevertheless, that was a very unfortunate moment and the NAACP was there. And then hiring in the city. I recall there were some issues uh, related to that, but Reverend Butler seemed to have a method uh, as uh, not president of the NAACP, but as sort of a a catalyst, a force to be reckoned with. Can you share a little bit about how he conducted and comported himself? Well, he's he's very authoritative. His butleristic moments are are legendary in our church, Mm -hmm. in Second Baptist Church. Uh, Butleristic Moments are basically scriptures that he has adapted, adapted, adapted to his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody respected it, you know. That you know, whenever he gave you some advice, uh, such as you know, he he formed it around a life situation. Um, if I can think of one, let's do unto others as you have others doing to you. Golden rule. So sometimes, you know, he'll he'll adapt a butleristic moment to that, you mm-hmm. know. So it seemed like everything was tied to, you know, it, it would take I, I wish I could remember the exact words he would say. Right, right. You know, he you know, he you know, he would say something, it would, you know, tie with scriptures, that's a butleristic moment for right. you. And it and it'd be during a sermon too, you know. Um, yeah. 
Well, I, re- I recall um, he was sharing with me, I, uh, I forget the occasion, but we, we had a talk, about four of us were talking, and, and he was uh, uh, recounting his Paul in his life. One of the Paul uh, figures in his life okay. was uh, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Ah. And he was giving us sort of this, this real human moment where they were playing pickup, a game of pickup basketball. Huh. And he said he actually drove to the hole against Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, really? And he knocked him down. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Dr. King didn't preach to him, but I'm, I'm sure he, he reminded him, like, you know, you got to go easy, Ed, you know, or, or Ernie, yeah, or whatever. But, uh, but nevertheless, that was his Paul in his life. Now, standing next to uh, Reverend Butler, of course, was Clarence Gilliam, and who was inspired to pick up that mantle to be president of the NAACP, uh, the first president. Um, and, of course, Reverend Butler, who we've talked about for the last five minutes, was a catalyst behind that formation. Can you, can you share with us those early years, if you can recount that, how the organization in, in Monroe County formed? For 10 years, I, I was secretary of the NACP. Um, I was, um, that was a very, that was a learning experience. You know, I was a, you know, hunt and and tap typist. Okay. So I wasn't exactly a good uh, good word processor, but <clears throat> I looked at it as, he said, help the NACP before the NACP has to help you. We had two meetings. We had a general meeting and an executive meeting, and I felt like every time I went to a meeting, I was helping. Okay. So I, I felt good about that. But... Um, Reverend Butler, uh, uh, Deacon Gene T. Shipp, who was uh, 100 years old and served in three wars, they were both involved. Um, it was, you know, now Reverend Butler didn't come all the time, but he always, you know, he was, we had our meetings at Second Baptist Church, which we continue to do today. And, you know, he was, um, you know, always supportive of what we were doing. Right. There was not. There was no one particular uh, um, event that he, you know, championed. But I do recall that uh, one time his life was threatened, as I understand it, and Officer Charlie Brown and a few other guys had to, you know, rally around him right. to, you know, while that threat, those threats were going on. So um, he is, um, you know, I, I understand that uh, there was uh, Angel or Mr. Pizzo. Okay. Was also that that same kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, um, both of them very authoritative, very active, sort of almost activists. But mm-hmm. you know, of course, Reverend Bully was a a pastor, but he was more of a almost an activist, right? A champion for you know uh, uh, civil rights, and uh, but also he seemed like a very you know it wasn't all about. Uh, certainly, he wants African Americans to get their shake, but we had Caucasians in the in our c- congregation, and we were glad about it, mm-hmm. and they made some great contributions. But uh, <clears throat> Mr. Gilliam, very um, uh, staunch, very institutional, you know, academic institutional, uh, very uh, uh, you know, he just uh, you know, he's a tall man, you know, stately, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, Statesman come yes line, yes of a man and the meeting that I attended where he was uh, president they were run as if he was uh, heading up the Senate um, yes um, yes and 
you know, very uh, sort of particular in the way he addressed situations and was not very prone to a lot of uh, a superfluous type of activity going on. I mean, yes. he was always sort of on point. Yes, he was. Uh, but, you know, the NAACP, during some of the more difficult times in the city, they were there uh, to sort of bring that calming voice and to uh, the voting drive, uh, getting people to, to um, if you have not registered to vote, they were legend for their, their registration drives. That would be Frances Gilliam. That was, that was Frances yes, Gilliam. Yes, that okay. was her. She was membership chair par excellence. That's right. She was, for our small branch, and we're considered a small branch, she was always ranked. If she saw the, you, she'd say, uh, Mr. Boone, Mr. Boone, I want to have a talk with you. And, yeah. and sure enough, she had, she was not a very, uh, she she was not a very towering individual like her husband. No. She was almost the opposite. Yes. Very, very humble and sweet. Yes. How can you say no to her? I mean, yes. she's saying, uh, my records show me, and I knew what was going to come, so you're reaching in your, into your wallet because you knew what was expected of you. Exactly. But uh, those were characters and figures in the early days that that really brought prestige and really a distinction to the organization. Yes, yes. And, and uh, they were in good company, too. I mean, um, um, Dr. Wiggins, Dr. Mumford, uh, Hudson, Dr. Mm-hmm. Hudson. Dr. Hudson. Herman Hudson. Uh, uh, Mr. Taliaferro. George Taliaferro. Uh, his wife. Vi- uh, uh, Judge Viola Taliaferro. Oh, oh, yeah. Just oh, had yeah. A, I mean, we just, it was just a parade of stars. And, <laughs> and, and, and the other key thing was you, you had to have someone who was able to get the ear of the leadership of the city. And uh, someone who can get, as they would say, an audience or, or access to uh, the seat of power in your seat in your city and the uh, Reverend Butler of course w- was never uh, faint at heart when it came to that no and and uh, and Deacon Gilliam or President Gilliam was not faint of heart when it came to that and you had to have those uh, characteristics because you were advocating or you were advancing ideas or you were holding some people to account mm-hmm and um, they did it well. Um, when Mayor McCluskey and uh, Mayor Tommy Allison and on and on, uh, they had to have access to these leaders. Yes. And then the council members and on and on and on. So, I mean, they played a pivotal role. And uh, just as now continuing now, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about some of the uh, – we're going to wrap up our conversation on some of the local issues. And then we want to talk about some of the state activities. But – it's pledge time at WFHB, and once again, as I stated in our first pledge break, that it's a time now to uh, encourage you, the listener, to become a new contributing member if you've never given a gift uh, from the heart to WFHB or a sustaining member, and that means that you're giving uh, an amount each month to sustain the, the operations here. And WFHB has a grand history in the city of Bloomington, and we always use the moniker that we're volunteer-powered community radio and we are just that uh we are well over i don't know like the exact count probably over 50 to close to 75 volunteer members that kind of keep us all together and as far as our news wfhb is one of the best broadcast news operations in the state of indiana and this is according to the indiana society of professional journalisms now journalists now uh bringing on falls within the news department here 
because we are a um, public affairs show. And our focus is on issues pertaining to African-Americans. And we start here in in, uh, South Central Indiana and we expand outward, but we do cover those issues that are uh, local, regional, and then national. Um, But it's time now for us to ask you to support what we do. you know, the station is powered, and I correct myself, I want to double that number. We're powered by nearly 150 volunteers, and we operate 24 hours a day. And to do so, we need support. And so I'd like to ask you uh, to pick up that phone. The number is 812-323-1200. And consider giving $25 a month. Consider uh, a lump gift of maybe $500 or $250 Um, It's going to a worthy cause, as you know. If you're a a routine listener, you know it's going to a worthwhile cause. We're seven days a week, 365 days a year. And so if you want to be a volunteer, you could contact our volunteer coordinator at volunteer at wfhb.org. Or call the number 812-323-1200 and ask, hey, how can I become a sustaining member? Uh, I like Clarence, and I like what he's talking about, and I want to... I want to support WFHB, and I know I know Bill Vance. I think he's a great guy. I know Duke. <laughs> Duke and I go way back. Anyway, you get the point. So consider picking up that phone and dialing 812-323-1200. And now we're going to turn our attention back to Mr. Vance. Um, and we were talking about the local affairs here for the uh, NAACP. Your first tenure, your 12 years, uh, 12 years as president. You were 12 years as secretary. 12 years as, as president. Ten, 10 years as secretary. 10 years as secretary. 12 years as president. 22 years of investment in the Monroe County branch of the NAACP. And you see whose broad shoulders you stood on. Yes. Tell us how those 12 years went. What were some of the issues that you tackled and grappled with? And uh, um, what was your vision for those 12 years? Deacon Gilliam, or Deacon Gilliam, or President Gilliam, uh, got four of us together over at his home. Mm-hmm. It was Ken Thomas, Mr. Ken Thomas, who was a longtime secretary, Mr. Conroy Miskell, Mr. Larry Brown, and myself. He invited us over and he said, Gentlemen, I'm ready to step down now. And he said, Which one of you wants to be my successor? So. We, uh, we sat there, and the first person we all looked at was Mr. Thomas, because he's the oldest member. Mm-hmm. He laughed and said, no, I don't think I want to do it. Okay. Okay, so then it went to uh, another statesman, um, Mr. Conroy Miskell, mm-hmm. and he said, no, I don't want to do it. And he was manager at Sears. Yes, he was. For, for a great number of years. And also his son was a outstanding ball player at Bloomington South, Chris okay. Miskell. Chris Miskell, yeah. Yes, yeah. and played at Butler. Um, so he said no. He said he didn't want to do that. So then it came to our, at that time, our first vice president, Larry Brown. And Larry Brown laughed and he said he didn't want to do it. So I said, and then it, so it came down to me and I said it would be an honor. Okay. to be a successor. Now, I won't stop you there. For some reason, I don't know, I, I thought that there was maybe this uh, this uh, fireplace and you threw, you know, paper in there, and it, depending on the color of the smoke. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so so you stood up to the challenge. Yes, yes. And, all right, 12 years. What were some of the, uh, the golden moments during your tenure for 12 years? Well, you know, I tried to... Um, 
You know, we want to emulate Christ. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried to take my example from the Gilliams, okay. how they ran it. I did not try to ch- to change. I didn't try to vary left or right. All right. Uh, you know, Deb and I ran it, you know, mm-hmm. like. And it's usually a husband-wife team. Yes. Yeah. I, well, that's the way they ran it, so yeah. that's the way we yeah. ran it. So it worked out pretty well. Um Deb was our membership chair, and I was the president. Um, Mr. Gilliam left us a branch in outstanding shape. Okay. So there wasn't, I didn't need to change anything, but what I did add and, and during the meeting, he, he would always pray at the beginning. Okay. I prayed at the end, too. Okay. Because I felt like if he needed one, I needed two or three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Um, that's that's one of the changes I made in the in the um, uh, agenda, but uh, one what I wanted to do was um, I wanted to grow our youth council, mm-hmm. and I wanted to make certain that we could handle complaints. You know that's that's the heart and soul of the NACP. What might be a a typical complaint or not typical? I mean everything's different, but but. Give us an example of how a complaint would be lodged and the follow-up process. And we don't have to use names or anything, okay. but uh, what, what might happen? We, we had a, uh, if you don't mind, uh, we, have, we had an outstanding, okay. even our state president, Barbara Bowling, said that's one thing we, ha- we have in Bloomington is outstanding complaint resolution. You know, we had, you know, outstanding complaint resolution okay. because of who we had to help with those complaints. Um, we had uh, towards the end, it, it became uh, attorney Guy Lofman, uh, attorney Alfonso Manns, and for for one case, one or two cases, uh, attorney Bill Morris. Um, we uh, we met at attorney Guy Lofman's uh, office, his office area, okay. which was on the corner. Tenth and Walnut, I think, and <clears throat> it, it took Bill Morris, Attorney Bill Morris, to really compliment guy. He, he he couldn't get. He said he couldn't get over how that office looked. You know, I mean, it's it's um it's, it it had a certain feel about it. You know, and he's the one that described it the best. It, it was sort of a a, a baroque or something. <laughs> uh, time. I mean, it just it it was it was just an outstanding. It was plenty of room, spacious. Uh, stately, uh, well, you know, I, I like the way it was furnished. Plenty of books in there, of course. Uh, we went in his office, uh, the complainant, uh, and myself and uh, our man's Bill Morris, and we listened to the complaint. You know, they just let him just go ahead and just explain everything. Got, but all the attorneys took careful notes. And these complaints could range from um, occupational issues to maybe um, uh, legal issues or something involving uh, the judicial branch of our city or whatever. Yes. Um, to even someone who may have, what, personal family issues or, or financial issues at home or something or yes, may it, turn to the NAACP for help or something? That and educational issues, yes. Okay. Yes, uh, all the above. All okay. the, we, we A little bit of everything. Um 
but particularly the education issues, the uh, personal uh, discrimination uh, on the job in an apartment complex mm-hmm. uh, in school. Um, maybe somebody with a racial slur or mistreatment on a bus, mm-hmm. um, things like that. We had, in my first 12 years, we had, we answered, went back and looked and researched 78 cases, 78 complaints. 78, 78 complaints. complaints that we filled it, yeah, okay. total during that 12 years. Okay, and, oh, okay. Yeah, during the 12 years. And, uh, but, um, well, we, we never had to try a case. Well, actually, I will, I will take that back. Al might have helped. He may have went to court. Uh, with two or maybe five, five of the issues because right. he was a civil rights lawyer. Right. So he went ahead and took it upon himself. Uh, I guess they paid him and, you know, they resolved it. Okay. So, uh, but, you know, most of the cases just uh, just gave advice, just counseled. Right. And then referred to, to respective areas that yes. could possibly help them. And sometimes I would go visit or make a phone call on their just behalf. to make yes, just to make sure that they knew that we were involved. Absolutely, because yeah. the, the weight of the NAACP is is something you you don't want to ignore. I mean, there were issues that I knew just because of the involvement of the NAACP. Then uh, perhaps more uh, careful attention was given to a matter. Right. Um, exactly. You know, we've had some issues in the school system where some parents felt their child may have, um, you know, either been maybe profiled or labeled or whatever, and, and they needed help of some kind for someone to come in and be in somewhat of an advocate or an advisor on that matter. I want to turn this now to the state, um, leaving now the local branch, because I want to, we eventually want to talk about local, uh, state, and then national type of involvement of the NAACP. Um, there is, I imagine, a hierarchy in the state um, for the various branches. How many branches would you say are in are in um, Indiana? I believe 21. 21 branches. I wow. believe so. 21 branches in Indiana. Yes. And who would, uh, is there, say, a president over all the branches, or is it a council just of, um, or how, how is that handled? We have a state president. Okay. And her name is uh, uh, Attorney uh-huh. Barbara Bowling Williams. Okay. And she is our our state president, and she, uh, we have a what's called a a Indiana State Conference. Okay. And uh, we in October at the end of uh, I think it's October twenty fifth through twenty seventh we have our state convention this year. Yes. Okay. So uh, Friday through Sunday. Yes. Okay. And and uh, is there usually full involvement from all the? Yes. All the branches, sure. and um, now are, is there, say, an agenda of issues that will be ad- ad- addressed? Well, we hope to. Well, we have, there's workshops. There, there's a set, a number of workshops. Education. My wife is education chair. Uh, chair. Okay. Uh, education committee chair. And they are having an education summit mm-hmm. on Thursday, I believe. And then on Friday, they're going to have their education workshop. Got it. And so there's going to also be a religious affairs workshop. There's going to be a political action mm-hmm. workshop, a economic development workshop, a veterans affairs workshop, generally a health workshop. 
Um, the youth have their workshops. Um, generally not as involved. Their their involvement is more fun, but they do talk about issues mm-hmm. that that you know that concern them. Uh, they they try to have a good time, but they also they do a a uh, a community service. Okay. You know during the workshops, so they have a good time, but they. And and not only are the the leadership of these various branches coming to this, but uh, members are encouraged to come as well. I mean, yes. so the idea is it's a large collective of uh, the various branches experience. throughout throughout the state of Indiana. Uh, one question that someone had posed was, uh, is there any benefit to partnering with some of the other minority-based community organizations? You have the Legislative Black Caucus, you have the Latino Caucus, you have women's groups, you also have uh, Black Expo. Um, and they are sort of on a chapter format throughout the state. And one of the things that uh, the president, Tanya Bell, talks about is that's one of the things they really want to promote to people is that they're very active throughout the state, not just a couple times a year in Indianapolis, but there's activity going on all around. Is there a benefit to partnering? And, and if there is, uh, what ways um, can you advance that? Or what ways do you think involvement can be uh, achieved? Well, I, I think Jim Jim Sims did a uh, immediate past president. Jim Sims did a great job of networking. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to continue. Uh, Jim insists on it. Okay, <laughs> he's still involved. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Jim Jim is a voice. He was a voice here, and, and he's a voice wherever wherever yeah. he lands. Yeah. And, and I and, and, and Councilman, I know that. Councilman Sims is Councilman Sims. Yes, that's right. Um, so he we have kept our he got us involved with the Rotary. Okay. Um, and the the Black Caucus, we have when you when you say involvement, yes, there's we, a fine line. Yes, yes, yes. We want them to be involved, and we I want to be involved. But you know, we're nonpartisan, right? So the only thing is, do I I need to also reach out to any Republican group mm-hmm. to be fair, and any independent group, you know. I can't just cite. Well, we're we're a Democratic caucus, and that's it. Right. Because that. But yes, yes, we wanted to network with them. Um, Mr. Hosea put together our souvenir booklet. Mm-hmm. He's, and we're, we're talking about um, another voice. I'm bringing on William Hosea. Yes. Um, who is active in, in a lot of different activities or um, causes in the city of Bloomington. Yes. Uh, but he put together the souvenir booklet. And also, the Black Caucus did come to our meeting. Okay. And they apparently they got a grant. Okay. Some kind of housing, low income housing or apartments grant somehow. And they are going to be putting, um, you know, they're going to be upgrading the houses. Well, I, HVAC I, systems and whatnot. Yeah, I could speak a little bit. If, if it's what I think it is, there are some funds or grant funds that are, that are earmarked and will be released to upgrade structures. In mm-hmm. the city of Bloomington, uh, housing structures in the city of Bloomington, and um, he's involved with that. Mm-hmm. Um, now he can't make the sole decision, but probably encouraging people to apply or those who are contractors, really minority-owned business contractors, to apply to get some of these grants or to apply to do some of the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he's got his hands in a lot of different uh, pots, or he's busy. I'll put it that way. But uh, he's one who has just really given himself to civic involvement. And for that, I really appreciate it. Yes. And Um, also C-Jam. I want to. Yes. C-Jam. And that stands for? 
criminal com- justice and community justice community mediation justice. center. Right. And I got us now. That's that's one. That's my baby. There. I right. got us. I got us involved with them because I was hoping that maybe we can have some mediations rather than confrontations. Right. And and that's important because one of the um, even on the national level, the NAACP has been very active in addressing a lot of and re- getting redresses for a lot of things that have been going on. And we've all been concerned if you've lived in America for any length of time. It's just, I thought it was just a phenomenon that may last a couple summers, but some of the unwarranted, in my opinion, unwarranted, but questionable, questionable, very, very questionable police action shootings of uh, uh, black men um, in various situations have uh, caused a lot of people to uh, lament that, you know, something needs to be done. And I know that the uh, for those Democratic presidential candidates, that's, that's been a talking point in many of the debates. And I know that uh, the NAACP on the national level, I uh, read that they have uh, key committees uh, that address a lot of these problems. And I did some research, and uh, you're very, very familiar with these, but they are on their, on their homepage. Yes. Uh, they talk at length about some of the things that they're involved with, and they draw attention to the fact that they uh, talk about um, criminal justice. They, they wish to address some of the... Um, inequities in criminal justice that are very, very prevalent, things that we've all been talking about here and bringing on for uh, as long as we've been on. And uh, there are environmental and climate justice concerns. There's environmental, um, not environmental, but there is criminal justice concerns, health concerns, economic opportunity concerns. um, And then there's one... Uh, this paper will separate, but there's another one here. Foreign affairs, maybe. Foreign affairs, but there's media diversity, one that I'm involved with. That's the last one that I could kind of pry apart here, the media diversity concerns. On the national level, uh, what do you see as some of the pressing needs that need to be addressed that the NAACP is addressing on the national level? The hate crime bill is one. Um, here in town, it's one. It's a, we're trying to get it to be more definitive. Right. It's, so that's one. Um, we are trying, on for as far as um, environmental climate justice, we're trying to eliminate fossil fuels, mm-hmm. the use of it, because of it's uh, the pollutants, you know, the particulate matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of us live in areas where we have to that's a key point. deal with that. A lot of African Americans, Hispanic, uh, a lot of colored folk, if I can say that, mm-hmm. live in areas that uh, are bombarded with uh, some environmental issues, uh, environmental waste issues, and uh, that has been a problem because then access to health care to sort of mediate or, or, or reme- uh, remediate some of those issues has been a problem. So the NAACP has been on the front line to try to draw attention to that. Um, one of the things that I'm holding that you share with me that I'm very familiar that with, you've been a part of and active with, was there were some forums in the city of Bloomington about how do you comport yourself, com- you know, handle yourself, carry yourself in a traffic stop. I know that Ruben Marte, who's been on our show a number of times, talk about this, this very thing and other related criminal justice things. 
you have a little pamphlet that you hand out to people, the do's and don'ts if you are ever approached by the police. Exactly. Um, if you want to talk a little bit about that, and, and then afterwards we'll go into uh, our final uh, pledge break as we sort of wrap up this interview, but uh, I'll just I'll defer okay, to you. I, I tell you, I, I like this one. Um, carry identification with you all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I go out to exercise. I make certain that I have some identification on mm-hmm. me in case something happens. And this is for white, black, yeah, Latino, anybody. anybody. Any, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it makes it easier to identify who you are. And, you know, it probably cuts down on a lot of of um, of um, controversy if they if you have that. So I, I always tell my son, please try to carry your identification. Um if you have you seen some of the movies, uh, the hate you give, uh, where the young man is courting the young woman and he's trying to impress her, and, right, right, and so the police, uh, you know, pulls him over and he's getting bad, you know, right. he's a bad dude and everything. And police tell him to get out of the car and he's he's kicking up a fuss, you know, the, you know, he's telling him to get out of the car, put your hands. Well, first his girlfriend said, look, put your hands on the dash right? so the police officer can see it when you get there. Right. Okay. So he did that. You know, right. she had to about begging, but he finally did that. Okay. And then the police officer said, show me some identification, something or other. <clears throat> and then, then he told him to get out of the car because he was giving him a hard time about right. showing him right. the identification. Just get the identification out, will you? Right. <laughs> and, and then he said, put your hands on the roof. Okay, so he puts his hands on the roof. The police officer goes back to the car to, you know, look up something, whatever he's doing. And then he reaches in, you know, he's talking to his girl, and, you know, he's getting like, I'm, you know, what's going on here? Reaches in to get a brush to, so he could brush his hair, you know, trying to impress his girl. The police officer thought it was a gun and shot him. Yeah. So, let's, so, so I guess what I'm trying to say, well, can we please just cooperate with the police? Yeah. Yeah, no. and and Ruben, if Ruben were sitting here right now, he would validate everything you said, and would go even further to say, uh, if you understand that the patrolman that may pull you over wants to get home just like you do, yes. wants to get home safe like you do, and he'll be the first to say, is every police officer, I would say, legit or, or um, should they really be on the force? He may say no, and he's actually said, yeah, there's some bad apples, but the majority are not. And through proper training, um, because stress levels are very high for both individuals. And, yes. and for, for proper training, uh, a lot of that can be counteracted. But that's a key area that the NAACP has been focusing on. And the other has been just trying to, to get jobs uh, created. I mean, we're supposedly now in the best uh, economic condition in, in our country in a long time. But jobs, availability of jobs for all. Um, they have been advocates for that on the front line of that. Um, any other key areas that you feel the national um, branch, uh, the national headquarters is, is focusing on? We want everybody to report hate crimes to the FBI. Okay. In Bloomington, the city of Bloomington is doing that. Okay. They've been doing it for a decade, at least a decade. So you can get proper measurements of yes, what's going on out yes. there. Yes, and then, see, they, they say no... Uh, no change without data, something like that. Yeah, you know they're not gonna they're not gonna act until they've got the data to back to back up. You know yeah. that they need to change. Yeah. Once they get the data, 
that they'll they'll make a well, well that, that that's a whole nother show as as time is winding down right now um one thing i did want to say that there has been a national thrust to to get people registered to vote now you uh, the, the organization is nonpartisan, right um and the organization we must stress we should have stressed in the beginning uh there is a large amount of, of white individuals who are part of the naacp Yes, it's not one uh, homogeneous organization that is exclusive. No, uh, this is a it's a wide breadth of individuals who are a part of this. We have about thirty seconds. Any parting words that you'd like to leave for our listeners? Um, maybe when the next meeting is, because uh, if your well, wife were here and if you didn't uh, mention that, okay. Duke, yes, you get in trouble. Uh, yes, uh, uh, I'd like to thank you. Deb and I would like to thank the uh, city, the community of uh, Monroe County for allowing the NACP to serve you. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, please go to our website, uh, Um that should get you there. That's right. And, and we I, have, and we have um, also we have a web page, mm-hmm. so you can you can uh, make comments on that. Okay. Well, I, I want to take this time to thank William Vance, president of the Monroe County branch of the NAACP, for joining us tonight uh, during our fun drive. And of course, we have had to pull away to go to uh, uh, Pledge Central, if you will, to ask for support. But for jo- uh, thank you for joining us to provide updates on events of importance locally, statewide, and nationally. To learn more about the Monroe County branch at the NAACP, you could also visit their web page, their Facebook page rather, at facebook.com slash Monroe County NAACP. And uh, again, if you are still contemplating picking up the phone uh, to become a new contributing member or a sustaining member, please do so at 812-323-1200. We have smiling individuals here to take your call and they'll, they'll be more than happy to write down the amount of support that you wish to make tonight uh keep us on the air for the next 15 years and uh, maybe bill and i may be back 15 years from now talking about the naacp hopefully there'll be no need for the naacp that's, because all of social wheels or whatever well that's a good goal. we can only we can only look toward the future but uh our show's executive producer is yours truly, Clarence Boone, with help from the uh, WFHB News Department. Our wonderful board engineer tonight was Sydney. Uh, she gets five stars for a tremendous job tonight, filling in for Chantal LaFontaine. Our original theme music was created by Jamil FM with additional back- background tracks by David Baker. Thanks again for your donations to WFHB and to bring it on. Tune in next uh, week on Monday, October the 14th at 6 p.m. for another exciting Bring It On broadcast right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.